If you could share one big idea to change the future of education, what would it be? In our One Big Idea series on Future of School, the podcast, we'll hear from a diverse array of education stakeholders, from parents and educators to longtime industry leaders who will share their bold proposals to transform teaching and learning in the United States. Together, we'll amplify one another's unique perspectives, consider new solutions, and above all, make sure every voice is included in the conversation. Welcome to another episode of our Future of School podcast mini-series, One Big Idea. Today, we are joined by Carolyn Gill, International and New Market Specialist for Vista Higher Learning. Carolyn, welcome. Hi, Amy. Thank you for having me. We're really excited to have you here to share with us your one big transformative idea for education. So take it away. All right. So my big idea, I work for uh, Vista Higher Learning, as you said, and we are a foreign language publisher and digital content provider. My background is in languages. I have a master's in education with a specialization in foreign language teaching. Um, I also studied abroad when I was a sophomore um, in college. I studied in Spain, and then I also lived abroad and taught English after college. And my big idea, um, I am all about languages, all about you know broadening perspectives, increasing cultural competence. I think that's something that we need very much in this country. I mean, the fact that we are such an enormous country and we speak only one language is pretty remarkable when you compare that to the rest of the world. So my big idea, I would love to see a program, a national program, which is a national mandate for students once they graduate from high school, to spend either six or nine months, ideally abroad, doing some kind of service work where they are immersed in another culture that prepares them for not only a potential college education or maybe maybe a trade, if they don't go down the you know, university pathway, but ultimately prepares them for the workforce to be, again, immersed in you know, another culture, perhaps learning you know, some, another language or strengthening language skills that they may already have. That is kind of, the, that's the big idea. I would also, if international and international experience, is it possible? I would love to see the kind of the same format at a national level. So students, you know, basically going into another community in a totally different part of the country for for six months, for nine months, giving their time uh, to volunteer, you know, in some type of project. And again, this would be the same for national and or national or international and developing some raw life skills, you know, that they can, again, you know, take with them if they choose to go to college or if they, uh, you know, when and if they enter the workforce. So gap years are very common in Australia. When a student finishes high school, they'll go for a, they'll go for a year and travel, work, et cetera. And I think in the United States, I think it would just be a wonderful thing for, for students, for young people, you know, let's say 18, 19 years old, to have that experience um, that will you know, they will evolve as human beings, they will gain maturity. And again, those raw life skills that will be an asset for them, whether it's, you know, university or workforce after that year. You've given us so many different angles to look at it from, from workforce, from personal development, from mm-hmm. post-secondary readiness. And you, and you gave, a, you know, several different um, 
you know, several different perspectives on this, but if, if you had to drill it down to one, like what is the one singular most impactful opportunity that an immersive, mm-hmm. whether it's national or international, what is the mm-hmm. one potential commonality tipping point it can have for the life of a youth? Can you put that into a, a sentence or two? I think just maturity, you know, having that experience where students are outside of their comfort zone, you know, it's six months or nine months, whatever it may be. Maybe it's like the full academic year from September to May or June, where they are exposed to a different culture, again, whether it's internationally or nationally, you know, domestically within the United States, where they're developing new perspectives. They're looking at their own communities in different ways. Um, They're developing intercultural competence. I think that first and foremost is, is like you said, is the tipping point is, is that maturity that would come with that experience that again, they can apply to, you know, an academic setting or potentially, you know, the workforce whenever that may come. Yeah. Great. So what would you say to a parent, a teacher, a counselor, say, say that this big idea came to fruition and it was implemented. What would you say to an adult who said, you know, Lucas, he, he's just not mature enough to go on that trip. It's like, you know, catch 22, like you, we want them to go to develop and cultivate those skills, but there's, you know, there's a mindset that you have to have be at a certain level of maturity to do that. What would you say to that adult about that being a barrier? I would say that, you know, in, in an ideal scenario, you know, this program would have a lot of support for students and for students like that. And because if this were hypothetically a national mandate, you know, you'd be preparing for it. Parents would be preparing their child for it, I think, as best as they possibly could to, you know, to cross that bridge when they when they get to it at the end of their high school career. So I think the support, number one, um, I think number two, I think ultimately, you know, college you know, is a, is a huge investment, not only economically, but as far as time. And I think if students had that year or nine months to, you know, to be outside of their comfort zone, to be giving their time and to be learning skills, I think they could make a more informed decision about college, which would in essence, I think, because it is such a huge economic investment for families and parents, you know, could you know, potentially benefit because maybe students, let's say, you know, doing their, their, their six or nine months that could change the, the trajectory of what they're originally planning on doing. And ultimately, you know, ultimately will be better for them and for, for their families. I think it's a very good question though, because I think that it probably would be a concern, but I think ultimately if it is a national program, that's, there's a mandate there would be a lot of, there'd be a framework, there'd be scaffolding in place to support students like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are important pieces. One of the things that's really intriguing to me about this as a concept is the workforce readiness piece of it. Do you, would you see that um, businesses, whether they're local businesses or, you know, from local business all the way to large scale corporations, that they would have a role in the structure in terms of whether it's internships, externships abroad, or, or, you know, service in that regard? Absolutely. I mean, I worked for, for two years. I've been at Beast Higher Learning for a long time, but I took a two and a half year hiatus and I worked for a study abroad provider based in Boston. And 
we furnished uh, study abroad for six weeks in the summer, for a semester, or for a full academic year, and would also furnish an internship along with that study abroad experience. And you know, some of these placements were amazing, and the skills that students were acquiring um, in that setting, you know, in an international setting, you know, really truly working sometimes 15, 20 hours a week were, it was remarkable. I mean, it looked amazing on a resume and I think it's a win-win because these organizations and these businesses, you know, these kids are bringing something unique to the table and they're contributing to the growth of whatever it is, whether it's a, you know, a bank or a nonprofit or a sporting organization, they're getting, you know, young people's viewpoints, their time. And in turn, students are getting those, again, those, those life skills, those uh, professional skills that they will take ultimately when they, you know, actually apply for, for jobs post, whether it's, you know, post-university in this case. Well, and you work for a company that has the, I don't want to say the inside scoop, but you, you're working in the field of languages, right? Of Mm -hmm. whether they're schools or companies, whoever your clients are, that they're looking for curriculum to be able to provide this experience to people. So my last question for you together here, because I do have about 400 more, but that's because I'm a former, I'm a, you know, I'm a former Spanish online teacher, online and in person. So uh, everything that you're saying, I'm giving you high fives and fist bumps mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. this is my wheelhouse. This is where I was trained. Um, but what does the future of language learning look like? Is it going to grow? Um, you know, what in a nutshell, what should we expect because that would be a selling point for many people about why this, that your big idea is a critical need. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there have been points over the past, you know, couple years where I've been very discouraged because you're looking at, you know, foreign language. I know you've said it's an elective, you know, it's not a requirement, it's an elective. And you know, there are schools and districts that are cutting languages, universities are, you know, don't have the budgets to pay uh, foreign language in, you know, professors and faculty. So I have been discouraged, but at the same time, I think with the use of technology and certainly what was happening even pre-COVID and now post-COVID, I think even more so, you know, there are so many amazing resources out there for learning language, you know, online via technology with Zoom. I mean, apps on your phone. I think, you know, globalization is happening every single day, every single minute. The world is getting smaller. I think people realize the value of speaking another language. And it's not only just, you know, to communicate and to, you know, enhance your resume and make money, which I think that has been the the general philosophy in the United States is like, why do you want to learn another language? Oh, well, if it's going to get you a higher salary, great. Yeah. But I think there's a realization now where it's more than just language. It's about, you know, language is a window to understanding another culture. And as the workplace is getting more diverse, it's necessary to, to be able to do that, to be able to connect with others. And, and language to me, I mean, I speak Spanish and there's so much more to it than just the words, you know, and the conversations I can have with native Spanish speakers. It's being able to understand where they're from, you know, what their beliefs, their perspectives, their, you know, moral compass, the whole thing. So it's it's pretty complex. And I think there's just going to be more of a need for that 
as we move forward. And I think there are more and more tools every day that enable that, enable students to, and, and young people to learn, to learn other languages. Immersive experiences post high school graduation, an awesome big idea. And so we thank you for sharing it with us today. And we look forward to seeing it come to fruition, Carolyn. Thank you for listening to Future of School, the podcast. What's your one big idea to transform education? Connect with us on social media or on our website, www.futureof.school to share. And if you're one of our listeners enjoying the podcast on Apple, we hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review to help more people find the show. 